Hey, y'all. Welcome back as we continue on through Genesis with chapter 25. And we had left off with his son Isaac marrying Rebekah. We'll continue with verse 1 of chapter 25. Abraham married another wife whose name was Keturah. She gave birth to Zimron, Jokshan, Midan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. Jokshan was the father of Sheba and Dedan. Dedan's descendants were the Asherites, the Tushites, Luamites. Midian's sons were Ephah, Ephor, Hanak, Abida, and Elda. These were all descendants of Abraham through Keturah. Abraham gave everything he owned to his son Isaac. But before he died, he gave gifts to the sons of his concubines and sent them off to a land in the east away from Isaac. Abraham lived for 175 years, and he died at a ripe old age. Having lived a long and satisfying life, he breathed his last and joined his ancestors in death. His son Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah near Mamre in the field of Ephron, son of Zohar the Hittite. This was the field Abraham had purchased from the Hittites and where he had buried his wife Sarah. After Abraham's death, God blessed his son Isaac, who settled near Bir Lahairoi in Negev. So Abraham passes on, and he is buried with Sarah in the only property that he owned in the land of Canaan that he had purchased. So we'll continue with verse 12. This is the account of the family of Ishmael, the son of Abraham through Hagar, Sarah's Egyptian servant. Here's a list by their names of clans of Ishmael's descendants. The oldest was Neboeth, followed by Kedar, Abdil, Midsam, Mishma, Duma, Masa, Hadad, Tima, Jetur, Naphish, and Kedema. These twelve sons of Ishmael became the founders of twelve tribes named after them, listed according to the places that they had settled and camped. Ishmael lived for a hundred and thirty-seven years. Then he breathed his last and joined his ancestors in death. Ishmael's descendants occupied the region from Hivla to Shur, which is east of Egypt in the direction of Ashur. They lived in open hostility towards their, all their relatives. In verse 19, this is the account of the family of Isaac, the son of Abraham. When Isaac was 40 years old, he married Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean, from Padan Aram, and the sister of Laban, the Armenian. Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife, because she was unable to have children. The Lord answered Isaac's prayer, and Rebekah became pregnant with twins. But the two children struggled with each other in her womb. So she went and asked the Lord about it. Why is this happening to me? she asked. And the Lord told her, The sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, and your older son will serve your younger son. And when the time came to give birth, Rebekah discovered that she indeed did have twins. The first one was very red at birth and covered with thick hair like a fur coat. So they named him Isu. Then the other twin was born with his hand grasping Isu's heel. So they named him Jacob. 
Isaac was 60 years old when the twins were born. So Isu is a Hebrew term that means hair, and Jacob is the Hebrew word for heel or deceiver. And a couple things here. So Rebecca has twins, and they're in the womb fighting already and battling within that womb, and they come out fighting. Esau is coming out first, and Jacob grabs the heel, and he's like, Nah, I'm coming with you. You're not leaving without me, brother. And the internal battle, is it's very similar and parallel with the battle that we have in, internally within us between the flesh and the spirit. And we'll see how they continue on. The firstborn of the, the firstborn son in the, in the family and the culture is the one that is given the birthright. And Jacob's like, hold on, I'm coming with you. You're not getting anything without me. He's got that spirit of, I'm coming too, right from the beginning. In verse 27, as the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter. He was an outdoorsman, but Jacob had a quiet temperament, preferring to stay at home. Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating the wild game that Esau brought home. But Rebekah loved Jacob. One day when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived home from the wilderness exhausted and hungry. Esau said to Jacob, I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew. This is how Esau got his other name, Edom, which means red. All right, Jacob replied, betrayed me your rights as the firstborn son. Look, I'm dying of starvation, said Esau. What good is my birthright to me now? But Jacob said, first you must swear that your birthright is mine. So Esau swore an oath, thereby selling all his rights as the firstborn to his brother Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew. Esau ate the meat, then got up and left. He showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn. So a couple of things here. It's a good idea not to make real important decisions when you're hangry. He clearly didn't have the right, <laughs> the right mindset to be making such a vast, huge decision. And it, Esau represents the flesh, and the flesh is always hungry. He, he was a real person, and this is a true story This happened, but it's very similar to our flesh in that it's just always hungry. You can never satisfy the flesh. And we, right away off the bat, they introduce this family, and there's dysfunction and drama. There's favoritism, and they're being petty about little things like and dramatic. Give me the stew. I'm dying of starvation. Clearly he's not dying. He was just hungry and had been out working all day. And the birthright in this culture, in this time, birthright was the right to become the patriarch, the head of the family. When the father dies, this is the person, the birthright, whoever owns the birthright is the person who takes over that lead position in the family. And Make sure that everyone is safe in spiritually, physically, in every way, shape, and form. They're responsible for that family. And they also get a double portion of the inheritance. And um, Isa shows, like, your flesh, it always needs more. It's always hungry. And desire 
it becomes life or death. Like he wasn't going to die, but in his mind, he was like, I'm going to die of starvation. And that desire takes over in that intensity of it. And instead of listening and valuing what truly matters, he gave into that fleshly desire of wanting to eat right now. And in spite of all this disgust, dysfunction god brings forth destiny and he's he's going to continue with his plan and god made family before he made any other institution so god is able to work in the middle of all the chaos and in the middle of all the messes so continue on in chapter 26 verse 1 a severe famine now struck the land as it happened before in abraham's time so isaac moved to gerar where abimelech king of the philistines lived so there's another famine. Each generation has their own struggles and their own trials that they have to get through. So we have yet another famine. In verse 2, the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you. Live here as a foreigner in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. I hereby confirm that I will give all these lands to you and your descendants, just as I solemnly promised Abraham your father. I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars of the sky. And I will give them all these lands, and through your descendants all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I will do this because Abraham listened to me and obeyed all my requirements, commands, decrees, and instructions. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. So here God is renewing that promise and renewing that covenant with Isaac that he promised Abraham. He's he's renewing that through this next generation through Isaac. In verse 7, when the men who lived there asked Isaac about his wife, Rebekah, he said, she is my sister. He was afraid to say she is my wife. He thought they will kill me to get to her because she is so beautiful. Sometime later, Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, looked out his window and saw Isaac caressing Rebekah. These two were sincerely in love. And he's like, this has happened before. And this has happened before. This is the exact same mistake that Abraham made twice. Once with this very same king. In verse 9, immediately Abimelech called for Isaac and exclaimed, She is obviously your wife. Why did you say she is my sister? Because I was afraid someone would kill me to get her from me, Isaac replied. How could you do this to us? Abimelech exclaimed. One of my people might easily have taken your wife and slept with her, and you would made us guilty of great sin. Then Abimelech issued a public proclamation. Anyone who touches this man or his wife will be put to death. This king has got to be really sick of this by now. This is the second time in the same family that this has happened. In verse 12, when Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted for the Lord had blessed him. He became a very rich man and his wealth continued to grow. He acquired so many flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle and servants, that the Philistines became jealous of him. So the Philistines filled up all of Isaac's wells with dirt. These were the wells that had been dug by the servants of his father Abraham. So they're jealous and they're plugging up his wells. In verse 16, finally Abimelech ordered Isaac to leave the country. Go somewhere else, he said, for you have become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away to the Gerar Valley, where he set up their tents and settled down. He reopened the wells his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled in after Abraham's death. Isaac also restored the names Abraham had given them. Isaac's servants also dug in the Gerar Valley and discovered a well of fresh water. 
But then the shepherds from Gerar came and claimed the spring. This is our water, they said, and they argued over it with Isaac's herdsmen. So Isaac named the well Esek, which means argument. Isaac's men then dug another well, but again there was a dispute over it. So Isaac named it Sitna, which means hostility. Abandoning that one, Isaac moved on and dug another well. This time there was no dispute over it. So Isaac named the place Rehoboth, which means open space. For he said, At last the Lord has created enough space for us to prosper in this land. From there Isaac moved to Beersheba, where the Lord appeared to him on the night of his arrival. I am the God of your father Abraham, he said. Do not be afraid, for I am with you, and I will bless you. I will multiply your descendants, and they will become a great nation. I will do this because of my promise to Abraham, my servant. Then Isaac built an altar there and worshipped the Lord. He set up his camp at that place, and his servants dug another well. One day, King Abimelech came from Gerar with his advisor Ahuzath, and also Fikal, his army commander. Why have you come here? Isaac asked. You obviously hate me since you kicked me off your land. They replied, We can plainly see that the Lord is with you, so we want to enter into a sworn treaty with you. Let's make a covenant. Swear that you will not harm us, just as we have never troubled you. We have always treated you well, and we sent you away from us in peace. And now look how the Lord has blessed you. So Isaac prepared a covenant feast to celebrate the treaty, and they ate and drank together. Early the next morning, they each took a solemn oath not to interfere with each other. Then Isaac sent them home again, and they left him in peace. That very day, Isaac's servants came and told him about a new well they had dug. We have found water, they exclaimed. So Isaac named the well Sheba, which means oath. And to this day, the town that grew up there is called Beersheba, which means well of the oath. At the age of 40, Esau married two Hittite wives, Judith, the daughter of Beri, and Bashma, the daughter of Elon. But Esau's wives made life miserable for Isaac and Rebekah. So again, there's still strife in the family. And they, like Abraham, Isaac's life is, it's marked by tents and altars and wells. And it's, um, it's another parallel that we're pilgrims on this earth. Tents are temporary. This is a temporary place. Our permanent place will be in heaven. And the altars, he was very consistent on building permanent altars to worship God. And just like we worship the cross and of Jesus and we worship Jesus and the fact that he died on the cross for us and the wells represent the living water bound in Christ and the Bible is full of messy people messy people there's favoritism there's deception there's dysfunction there's cheating there's rape there's adultery there's murder there's lying but through it all God continues to work and he continues to bring his will for forth no matter what we do and how imperfect we are. God still loves us and has the wheel. So that is chapters 25 and 26. I hope you all have a most wonderful day.